You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I beat Stop Seager. Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king when the Mariners needed him the most. Two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, podcast time. Thanks for being back. Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast at Mariners Pod on Twitter. So, last time we spoke was a couple of days ago. Mariners played two games since then, and they got the split. Only they split the last two games, but they split the series in Minnesota. Now, I'll talk about that in a moment. So we're going to hear from Mitch Hager. Nice conversation with Shannon Dreher. That comes up in a few minutes. And also had a chance to sit down with Mike Hampton, Mariners bullpen coach. And the bullpen has been outstanding. We'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes. But let's dive into the game against the Twins, or two games against the Twins. We'll start with the win, 6-4 to four over Minnesota, where they took the, the game two days ago. And, well, it just continued for Mike Zanino is he is just absolutely crushing the baseball. Santana's first pitch to Zanino. Swing, and this is rifled high, deep left field. Forget about it. This is crushed, and it's off the ribbon board and left center, and it caroms back out of the field in center field. Zanino's sixth of the season is obliterated. The Mariners now lead it 5 to nothing on two home runs. And he is just absolutely on fire. He... <laughs> 19 RBIs, which going into this podcast was tied for the high in Major League Baseball for the month of June. He's also nearing a Mariners record for a catcher for RBIs in a month. Right now he's tied with Dave Valley, Kenji Jojima, Miguel Olivo, all had 19 RBIs in one month. The only one ahead of Zanino was Dan Wilson at 21 in April of 1996. So... He's got a few days to go to try and nail that one down. And the way he's been hitting, good chance he will. Just been on. It's also great to see Mitch Hanniger back as well. We'll hear from him in a second. The next offer, swing and a drive deep to left field. Rosario backing up to the one track, and this one is gone. Goodbye, baseball. Mitch Hanniger with a home run to straightaway left field. Here in the top of the first inning with Ben Gamble aboard. Number five on the year for Hanniger. And the Mariners with a 2-0 lead. And Ben Gamble is seemingly always aboard. He is red hot as well, but the lasting memory from this game was not him offensively, but defensively, an amazing catch. The 0-1 pitch. Mauer swinging a fly ball deep down the left field line and toward the corner. Gamble running out of room, leaps up, and does he make the catch? He disappears. It's a foul ball, and he caught the ball. We could not see him from up here, but Ben Gamble made an incredible catch. Gamble went way back into the left field corner, down the line, and foul territory slammed into the wall going down the left field line. 
And I love the thing I love about that highlight. And he was he went to the corner, so there's no way to see it from where they were sitting. But you could hear the crowd reaction at the very end when they showed the replay on the board. Oh, I mean, he slammed full force into that wall. An incredible catch, a great play, and a really nice win for the Mariners as they beat the Twins 6-4. to four. And again, there they were, a game below 500 going to the final game of the series. This was a really good pitching matchup, but the Twins take it to the Mariners early in the ball game in what was a really bizarre series for their starting catcher. The pitch. Swing and he clobbers this down by the foul pole in left field. If this is fair, it is big time trouble. It is fair. It is gone. A leadoff smash by Jimenez, who entered this game with a home run. He now has two here today. So he hits two home runs in the ball game a day after actually pitching. I mean, what a bizarre series! As the Twins win uh, yesterday, six to two, they scored five in the first and tacked on one more in the third. Miranda able to give the Mariners four after the first inning, but you know, ten hits, six earned runs, not that sharp on eighty-nine pitches. DeYoung came in and pitched well, four innings of one-hit ball, didn't give up a run, but on early. And Mariners not able to get to the young star for the Minnesota Twins, who was looking like a future ace. He went eight, gave up just two runs, one walk, and six punch shots on 108 pitches. Here's what the skipper said after the ball game. Yeah, you know, area wasn't real sharp coming out of the shoot. Um, you know, the first play of the game, obviously, the, the ball. You know, there's a lot of wind on the field. The ball got away from Hanniger there, and then, you know, Escobar is a good at bat, two-run homer, and then he gets um, Jimenez down 0-2, and then Kettle battles back in a three-run homer. So, you know, their guy pitched a very good ball game. Uh, we knew going in, uh, Barrios had very good stuff. Uh, you know, electric fastball, pretty good breaking ball. You know, we had some chances to kind of get close, but you know, could never really mount a big rally against them. I'm gonna give him credit. We've been swinging the bats very well, and um, he shut us down. With Miranda, he wasn't as sharp the last time out either. Is there a similarity? thing that has gotten to him? You know, the, the thing with Ariel is fastball. His fastball's got some life up in the zone, and, you know, he needs to kind of stick with it. I think today, you know, he got a little bit away from it, started going to a lot of off-speed stuff early, and he's got to keep throwing it. Got to keep throwing the fastball until you get a feel for it because that is his pitch. That sets up everything else. So, uh, you know, didn't have it early. Uh, you know, he did hang in there. Um, you know, got us through four, and then I thought uh, Chase DeYoung did a great job. You know, he comes in and gives us four zeros and, you know, helps save our bullpen a little bit. And those guys in that long relief role have done a great job all year. They really have. They've stepped in, and they've allowed this thing to, to kind of keep moving forward even when we have a rough day. And with Chase, that was his first appearance back with the club. Have you any other steps? Well, the, the big thing with Chase, he's got to throw strikes. You know, he is a command guy using both sides of the plate, and he did that today. You know, he uses curveball. He mixed in a few change-ups and then had enough fastball to, to get some big outs for us. So, again, did exactly what we needed out of him. We just couldn't get much going offensively. So now it's on to Texas for the final three of this road trip. In Texas, James Paxton will go tonight, 5.05 first pitch. Tyson Ross will make his Rangers debut, former ace for the San Diego Padres. Hard to know exactly what to expect from Ross in this one. Paxton trying to bounce back from a tough start, 5-1 with a 2.25 ERA. Saturday, 2.05 first pitch. Gallardo takes the ball against Martin Perez. And then Sunday, 12.05, Bergman against Darvish in game three of the series. Man, it is tough to figure out 
exactly what you're going to see from the Rangers in this series. Right now, a half game ahead of the Mariners. They're 32-33. and 33. They had an off day yesterday. They've played better at home, four games above 500, five games below 500 on the road. But it has just been a roller coaster ride for Texas. Right now, uh, they're on a high. They're coming off of a road trip where they spent three in Washington and three in Houston, and they only lost one game. They swept Washington on the road, and they took two of three from the Astros. And what is very, a very daunting road trip, uh, they sparkled. But before that, they had lost five of six, and that's kind of been the way their season has gone. At one point, uh, they ripped off a ton of wins in a row, but they've had a lot of long losing streaks as well. It's just it's been really tough to pin down the Texas Rangers at this point. They've dealt with injuries. I mean, who hasn't? The Mariners know all about that. But right now, Napoli, able list. Uh, also, Gomez is on the DL as well. He's been out on a rehab, so he's getting closer to coming back. He's been on the DL for a while. But it's just hard to know exactly what to expect. Of course, Cole Hamill's on the DL uh, as well. He's only made five starts this season, so he's been throwing as well and trying to work his way back. Their bullpen has settled in now with Bush as the closer. Remember, they had all kinds of bullpen woes early on in the season, so their bullpen a little bit more stable than it was early in the season. Yeah, so I think this is going to be a fascinating series. Going into the game yesterday, the Mariners were the second-highest-scoring team in baseball, just behind the New York Yankees. So we'll see if they can break out the sticks in Texas, a place where well, it's very friendly to offense. We'll see if the Mariners can take advantage of that as they continue to just be in that jumble in the American League, just everyone kind of fighting it out in the middle of the pack. So we'll see what happens with the Mariners and Rangers over the weekend. I hope you have a good weekend and can't wait to talk to you on Monday. Right now, though, let's hear from Mitch Hanniger. Shannon Dreyer here at Target Field. Luckily, uh, no rain today. Definitely you're feeling the Midwest heat and humidity, but as Mitch Haniger just pointed out to me, not a bad thing. Muscles feel good. Uh, right. Joints feel good. Everything good out there. Yeah, a lot easier to get loose when uh, you're in humidity, so that's a good good thing. And, um, you know, coming off an injury, it's nice to not have to feel like you have to work as hard to get loose, so it's good. Right, so everything feels good out there, I, I take it. 100% with everything right now? Yeah. Um, swing feels good. Arm feels great. Um you know, my, I feel like my legs are were the last thing to kind of come around, you know, when I was down in, in Tacoma. But everything's been feeling good, so just trying to work hard every day to keep everything where it is. A lot of fun to watch what uh, you and Gamble did one, too, at the top of the lineup last night. For you in particular, how do you know when you have that consistency? I mean, obviously the results are there, and, and you don't always look at results. You look where you're hitting it. But uh, when you step up to the plate, some would say it looks like you're in a bit of a groove right now. What, what does that mean to you? Um, yeah, it's nice to hear. I, I just like to really focus on what I'm doing, not so much what the pitcher's doing. So for me, you know, whether I just I'm just hunting my fastball, hunting my pitch where I want it, and not giving in on close, you know, close pitches and pitchers' pitches. And you know, I had a bad yesterday where I struck out, and I really don't think I had a good pitch to drive. And you know, as frustrating as that can be, I'm okay with that because you know I was ready for my pitch, and if I w- were to get it, I, you know, I'm looking to put a good swing on it and hit the ball hard. And if you don't, you just kind of grind and battle and. You know, sometimes you don't you don't get something good to hit. 
It's a missed time. Obviously, you build up everything for the season. You go through everything in the off season. You go through a spring training, and then all of a sudden you have to shut it down, and you can't swing for a while. Right. To get that swing back, what was the process in that? Um, it actually, so when I was coming back off the injury after the first three weeks, the first couple of days hitting, I felt really good. And, and I would go into the cage and just bun off the machine and, and just even just take, just go in there and take, just working on timing. And, and so when I came off that first time, I felt good. And then I had a little setback and came off the second time and still felt pretty good. So, it, it, you know, I wasn't too hard um, coming off or in, in the past I've actually had struggled coming off of an injury with my swing just because it wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I think just kind of over the years matured and got more comfortable with my swing to where now it's not the end of the world if I can't swing for a couple of days or, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, I think a couple of years ago it would have been it would have been a lot harder for me to come come back like that. You started with bunting. How why bunting? Um, just seeing velocity come in and, and working on I mean that's that's a part of my game. So um, being a guy hitting in the two hole in the top of the order um, there's certain situations where I need to get the guy over and, and let Robinson and and um, and Nelly do their job and, and Cruz and um, I'm sorry Seeger do their jobs because you know they're paid to drive guys in so you know if I can get down a drag button in a key situation then I'm going to do it. But coming off of an injury that was your number one thing that you just like okay let's yeah so I mean I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> swing so for me being in the cage and just being able to get a bunt down the you know focusing on something I can keep up in my game while I was on the DL that's that's what I tried to do. When did you start that? Um, you know, as soon as I could kind of move around well, I'd say after you know five or six days, I would just go in the cage and bunt. Did they tell you to do that, or did you decide? No, I don't think I don't even think they know. <laughs> but I wasn't moving around too much, so I'm good. Everything worked out fine. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Okay, so you, you had your eyes and you kind of got the hands going yeah. too. So that's yeah. good. And very interesting. Uh, today is uh, draft day, draft day part two. What what are your memories of that day? Um, you know, kind of a dream come true. Uh, down where I went to college in Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, and my mom came down. And it was just my close my close friends, my roommates, and um, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. We were just hanging out in the in our living room there, watching the draft. And I hadn't heard anything, you know, coming up till I heard my name on TV. So it was a little, I was definitely a little nervous and a little nerve wracking. But um, you know, it was a great day. It was just kind of really proud to see all the hard work and everything come through. And, you know, all the people I've had in my life to help me get to that point, you know, it was was a fun day and something I'll never forget. As the 2017 draft winds down, Mitch takes a look back at his draft day and what happened right after. Well, the next day I had to take finals, so it didn't change too much. But after that, yeah, after that, you know, just get on a a plane to sign your, uh, your contract and then start out in the minor leagues and just start the grind. I mean, minor leagues is... It's definitely a grinding plane every day. It's something that um, you know, travel around some small cities that you've never been before, and some and some places that uh, you'd probably never be. So, just kind of getting together with your teammates and grinding through it, and um, it's definitely worth worth the payoff. We're still getting to know you. What were you majoring in? Uh, social sciences, right. sociology. Yeah. And you didn't say, okay, I'm out of here. You went and you took the finals. Yeah, I'd take my finals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Hey, you get out there tonight and. Um, Draw Dyson is out there, and you spent a spring training with him as well. What have you learned from him? Um, most, a lot of stuff on the bases, just how smart he is at looking at film on pitchers and knowing when to run, knowing when not to run, um, tips like that. And then in, in the outfield, just he just shares tons of different things. I can't even name all of them that you know he's helped all of us with. But as far as just 
you know, sharing his expertise on certain situations, what you want to be doing, where we should be playing, kind of reading guys' swings. Um, he's helped a lot, and I think that's why, you know, us, the three other rookies that are out there have been doing so well is because guys like him are sharing all their knowledge with us. So it's been it's been really fun to learn from him. What's something you've learned from him on the bases? Um, just watching the pitcher, looking for looking for their tips. There's a lot a lot of pitchers. They tip certain things. Their body will move in a certain way when they're picking or when when they're going home, and uh, learning timing and, and stuff like that. And he 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 almost has. I mean, we'll we'll be playing a series, and he'll be able to rattle off two or three guys and what they do, what their tell is when when they pick or when they when they go home. So, just trying to pick his brain and learn as much as I can from him. Working with Edgar and Scott Brocious, how do those two work together? Oh, they've been awesome. Um, you know, both very positive guys. And, um, you know, Edgar is very soft-spoken. And, you know, when, when he says something to me, I, I'm all ears. I always want to hear everything he says. And I just kind of like being around him and him and Robbie. I just kind of like just eavesdropping. I just want to listen and soak up everything those guys say. And, you know, I talked with, with Edgar and Bro just yesterday um, about kind of my hands and how I felt what I needed to feel to kind of get clicking. And I remember talking to them in the cage yesterday and then just hearing what they have to say and, you know, bouncing it off each other and, you know, everything made sense, and, you know, it definitely helped yesterday. What's something that's clicked in that Robbie has said that you've really taken notice of? Um, just his approach on guys and, and stuff. There's nothing uh, too specific, but, you know, he'll. I'll just listen in and try to learn from him. I mean, it's, that's a Hall of Fame second baseman and an unbelievable hitter, so anytime I can learn from someone like him, I'm going to listen, and, you know, as well as anyone else on the team that says anything of value, you just have to process it and learn from learn from each guy and help share the things when you're feeling good what it might work for someone else and I think that's how guys learn about hitting I mean and, and get better I'm always learning something I'll never never stop learning at kind of lastly I mean you had some time where you were on the bench and you were watching and you could see what was going on during games a little bit more and see how Robbie and Nelson and those guys you know how they went about their business what did you learn in that time on, on the bench when you were able to just kind of sit and watch just how consistent they are. I mean, they can have a bad game or a bad at bat, and the next time they get on the on-deck circle and, and walk up to bat, it's like it never happened. And I think that's that's the biggest thing with, with guys that are so consistent in this game and so good is every time they go to the plate, it doesn't matter what happened, whether they hit a homer the last at bat or whether they struck out and looked really ugly. It's done with. It's over. And those two guys are some of the best as far as going up there and treating new Every at bat is just a new one, and, and not you know bringing anything in to the batter's box with you from the at bat before. That would sound so easy, but it's not. No, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really hard to do. I mean, it's so easy to talk about, and guys talk about approach all the time, but to actually strike out and look terrible and go up your next at bat and and act like it never happened, it's it's hard to do for you know six hundred at bats in a row. So that's kind of the. I don't know, final step. I mean, you put your yeah, swing together, yeah. you put your approach together, and then yeah, you're a, always working on the mental side. But. Yeah, I mean, it's a big mix of both. I think your swing can can help you with your approach, and, and some people kind of say the opposite. You know, if your approach is good, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll always hit. But your swing has to do has a lot of play in, in your approach, and it can allow you to do more things. And um, those two things work hand in hand. It's looking great out there. Mitch, thank you. Thank you. And now, Mike Hampton. We get to visit with bullpen coach right Mike Hampton. And, boy, coach, it's a good time to talk to you. The bullpen has been spectacular. Uh, best ERA for any bullpen in the month of June. And, really, the last 18 games, an ERA just over one. What has been the key to all this bullpen success recently? 
Well, I mean, honestly, I mean, the guys are confident. The guys want to pitch every day. I mean, they're they're prepared. Um, you know, Mel and I go through a pretty um, in, in, uh, a pretty good scouting report with them and give them some things that they can do, you know, with uh, their stuff in mind. And then, you know, with Scotty and Mel, you know, putting them in the right spots to be successful. So uh, it, it's fun down there. We got a lot of guys that can sink it. We got guys that can cut it. We got Velo. I mean, we got a good mix down there. On Friday night, we saw a lot of velo. Edwin Diaz was sensational again, just nasty. What have you seen from him his last few outings? You know, it's just a simple mechanical thing that he had to get ironed out. His stuff's always there. I mean, the the, uh, the arm speed, and, you know, he's got that slider that he can keep him off balance with. But uh, it was just kind of getting him in a good spot, getting him in, at foot strike where he was uh, uh, in a good spot with his arm up, kind of working the bottom of the zone. And uh, and he's, you know, kind of taking that uh, little mechanical adjustment run with it. And he's the Edwin that we uh, saw at the end mm-hmm. of last year. How important is it for a bullpen, just in terms of roles, to have Edwin kind of grab the ninth inning once again? It's the most important thing, you know, to have a lockdown ninth inning guy. I think Vincent's kind of worked his way in the eighth with Zepp, you know, with the matchup with the lefties, and then you would, we got we got Zick, we got Cishek, you know, we got Altavia. I mean, we just got a, a lot of weapons down there. Like I say, they all do it a little bit differently, so you can give a, a lineup a different look each and every night, and you know, it's kind of attributed to some of our success. Talk a little bit more about Nick Vincent. He is having a spectacular year. We saw it on a Friday again, just knifing through the middle of a very tough Blue Jays order. What makes him so good? I just think his self-confidence. You know, I mean, he, he knows he's not going to run the ball up there 95, 96 mile an hour, but he knows he's got a cutter that's uh, uh, one of the better ones in the game, you know, something that he can go to to get off the barrel. And uh, his confidence, like I said earlier, is, I mean, he, he when he goes in there, he knows what he needs to do. He knows how to pitch. He knows how to pitch up. Uh, of, of all our guys down there, probably he knows how to use his stuff the most consistently, probably the best of, of all of them, and it shows in his numbers. So tell us, give fans an insight of what it's like in the bullpen during a course of the game. Well, I'll be honest with you, you know, we, we try to keep it light early. You know, we'll watch the game and go along with the game. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of start looking at pitch counts, start looking at parts in the order where they can, uh, where they might be uh, best utilized. And uh, we just go from there. But honestly, early, we're just having a good time. You know, I mean, something that happened that night, the night before the game, or something they read on social media, whatever, we just kind of, kind of keep it light. But like I said, once we get closer to their turn to pitch and their times that they can go in the game, they, uh, they start locking it in. What kind of things do you do to get ready for a ball game? Not the same as I do for you know through the scouting reports and stuff like that. I prepare, um, you know, with with my scouting reports and then as well as mail. I mean, we got a lot of information. The analytical department sends us a lot of information, stuff that we go through. Um, we look at uh, first pitch swing percentage. We look at uh, batting averages against each pitch and stuff like that. So we're prepared. I can give them little tidbits here and there. I give the guys that I feel that can utilize it the best, uh, uh, the most information. The guys that, uh, like I said, are blessed with those uh, those amazing fastballs. I let them kind of just work to a big part of the plate and, and, and trust their stuff. So uh, we uh, we go over a little bit of that stuff. But like I said, it's just having fun. Guys are confident. They want to pitch, and, and that's the biggest part of uh, being successful down there. It's been a great stretch. How much fun has this been? It's been it's been great. You know, we've had some some peaks and valleys early in the season, but uh, you know the, the the hitters are coming around. And everybody's kind of starting to, to get their numbers where they're they're normally at, and and our like I said, our starters are, are giving us a great chance to win, and that's where it all starts. See you later. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. 
Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.